Welcome to the I Love Music Podcast. My name is Jen Fedor. I started the I Love Music Podcast to inspire people who love music, encourage people who work within the industry, and to hear each person's unique story. I am excited to have back on the show Charlie Barnes. This is kind of a surprise episode because it's been kept under wraps that he is releasing a new album called Last Night's Glitter on Super Bowl Music on July 3rd. And today, June 19th, marks the celebration of his single release. The new album is stripped back versions of songs Charlie previously released and just are beautiful. It was such a delight to have Charlie back on the program. If you missed it, he was episode six, and I have always appreciated his support when I was just getting the podcast started. In this interview, we had a great discussion about the process of recording the new album. We nerd out about studio setups and talk about some of the last Bastille shows before the coronavirus hit. Be sure to listen to his new single, Last Night's Glitter, and new album coming out July 3rd. For all the latest happenings, check out his Instagram at Charlie Barnes Music. All right, let's get into his interview. Charlie, I'm so glad you're back on the show. It's very nice to be back on the show, albeit in my house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am currently in LA and you are currently in the UK. I am in uh, wonderful Litchfield in Staffordshire. Um, the, nice. The finest of all the cities. <laughs> <laughs> So I got to listen to the new album and it is so beautiful. I love like the stripped back oh. atmosphere and the strings and like how the songs are just like reimagined. What was what was the process? Thanks very much. This has kind of been a pretty long, long time coming, this whole idea. So when I originally emailed my record label and told them oh by the way i've got a, got an album nearly done because of my working life as being a, a session musician i think my, my, my label are, are quite prepared for the fact that i'm not always going to do the typical thing of them you know sort of saying like right make an album for us now please um and you know i make it and then tour it for a bit and then make them another one and all that kind of stuff I th yeah. they were you know, they, they've they been super patient with the fact that I've been, you know, gallivanting around playing rock star for, you know, much of the last several years. But they, uh, I, I, I kind of emailed them and said, like, by the way, I've pretty much got another album done. Um, should, should, we, should we put it out? And part of... Um, often in, in like, your your recording contract, you're, it's stipulated that you will... Uh, have some bonus tracks available um, to use as, uh, I, I guess, what would have been B sides um, back in back in the day, um, but now it's just kind of you know like extra, yeah, kind of bonus material to put on 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 whatever release. And and, and I kind of said um, I haven't really got any of that, but in lieu of that, at some point um, I'll just record some acoustic versions because um, I, th I think they'll sound quite nice. Uh, acoustically and and they were like yeah cool that's that's great whatever and uh and it, it was you know a, a really uh long time before anything happened on that so it, it was kind of at the back of my head and i'd obviously finished the album which is the oceanography album we put it out yes. and i did some touring um i did uh some shows around the uk with a band um and i did some shows around the uk and europe 
completely on my own, um, which was supporting yeah. Bastille, who I work for, doing one of their kind of special tours, which was really cool. But then yeah, after we that orchestrated. point, I was supposed to be going to... <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one, the, the reorchestrated tour, which I've, I've got the poster for that, like, just behind me in my in, in my studio room at home, because I'm extremely proud of it. Like, the, the, the fact that my name that's is on awesome. something that says the Royal Albert Hall is pretty insane <laughs> for me, but... um. Or, well, how was it playing Royal Albert Hall? I think it's quite easy to, to reduce that whole tour to just being the, the Royal Albert Hall. I mean, like, the whole <laughs> tour was absolutely amazing. But obviously the Royal Albert Hall has this just significant level of, uh, of, of extra um, grandeur. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Uh, you know, pr- just prestige uh, kind of c- compared to, to a lot of places you know like some of the concert halls we were playing were reasonably um newly built um okay but like per you know purposely built for classical concerts and that sort of thing so they, they were amazing like really cool buildings right. with these beautiful rooms but then obviously being in somewhere that's you know a, a little more historic and uh, in in both senses of the word um was was, was really really special and my, my dad was there um I had some other um, really good friends there, and um, it was yeah, it it that was kind of one of those teenage dream type moments, really playing there, and I I'd, and it's very much alluded to in, uh, in 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 the one new song on the album, but I I uh, yeah just sort of could called my wife after I finished and very very all round special moment, and then obviously like if I'd, I finished my set. Uh, yeah. And then got to go and play with uh, To Kill a King on one of their songs, and then obviously went and did the the full Bastille show. So I got to really, I got to really milk my minutes on the uh, on, on the on that very uh, very favoured and wonderful stage. So it was it, it was cool. Um, and then bizarrely, the day yeah. after it, I got to go and interview Andrew WK. Um, but that's a. <laughs> Did you get to you got to interview Andrew WK? Oh my god! Yeah, that was a fun couple of days. That one. (laughs) Um, Oh, that's so cool! I love him. Yeah, yeah, he's so cool. But then after after that tour finished, I was supposed to be going to tour Europe and play, you know, a a load of kind of small small bar slash club shows around Germany and Austria with my band. But the the, the 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 UK tour that I did with a band um, cost me an absolute fortune, and I'd also yeah. very recently paid my first ever very grown up tax bill, so I was uh, quite close to financial ruin. Um, right. And, yeah. And I was like, right, okay. Uh, I mean, I did. To be honest, I nearly cancelled everything and just thought i can't do this at all this is crazy but um mm-hmm. my very level-headed uh friends ben and ed sort of talked me down a little bit and said like look we c- how about you know we go just the three of us with like acoustics and a really small setup so we don't have to take a van we can just go on the train and you know we we use my fucking yeah. frequent flyer miles to get us over um yeah. so because i had enough built up that we could basically fly there for nothing that's um, perfect yeah that, that was that, that, that was that was pretty useful um so we uh we we basically then had you know all of a couple of weeks to be like right okay let's work out some acoustic versions then mm-hmm. and between the three of us we worked out these stripped back versions of of the songs that ed already knew ben uh was was yeah. like our sound engineer for the for, for the uk stuff um so he like kind of grabbed a guitar and started like he, he knew the songs but didn't know the parts and we just sort of 
put put it all together and and made these different versions. And we all said like, oh, these these sound really nice. We should record these at some point. Um, but then obviously, you know, life happens and gets in the way. Um, right. And and, and the, the the idea of recording it all at Ed's house, which was the original plan, over like you know a couple of days, we just have a sleepover, do it, you know, pretty easy yeah. breezy, set up a few mics, that kind of thing. That didn't happen. Slightly further down the line, um, my my wife and I bought our first house together and we converted the the garage which i'm sat in now into a kind of makeshift um recording studio so i That's thought awesome. uh here's a here's a great opportunity to record all of those acoustic versions and kind of test test the studio out a little bit so i started very very slowly working on it i bought myself a very nice acoustic guitar because I'd, I'd never owned a nice one previously i only had one uh that was sufficiently inexpensive that if it got broken by a aircraft baggage handler i wouldn't be too heartbroken um so this was the first kind of good one that i bought um and yeah just kind of sat in in here in between bastille tours and festival appearances and stuff like that just kind of you know slowly but surely building it up with not too much stuff i I bought a lap steel as well because i'm a little bit country uh and nice oh that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) a couple of friends who've heard it think think it's slide guitar but i'm like no no it's lap steel man it's totally authentic (laughs) <laughs> but, um, but yeah and I, I sort of sent sent a couple of songs to a few friends to you know add their little bits and pieces to and i picked up some of the original stems from my solo albums to see if there was anything that maybe was a little bit buried that you couldn't hear properly that it might yeah. be nice to bring in as to just to highlight it a little bit you know some of the songs are just like so different than like from the oceanography from the album just hearing it like it's just so like beautiful i love how you were able to like reimagine your songs you've created in the past the production value and like how ah, i just love it sorry Oh, thanks so much. That's great. Yeah. But I guess like with some of them, it was a case of like having to really like deconstruct it a bit and think about it in very different terms to how it was written. You know, like like something like um, Macbeth, Macbeth, Macbeth was like I, I I wrote that pretty much as like a heavy rock song by numbers for the first album because we realised we needed one more kind yeah. of punchy loud song. But that one I kind of had to really change how I was thinking about it and work out how to play that riff without just beating the crap out of my guitar and stuff like that and, and, and come up with a different way of doing it but then something like um will and testament um yeah. with the exception of uh you know the the little bit of bass guitar that comes in and the little bit of piano that comes in for decoration that kind of more so just sounds how it did when i wrote it in my kitchen you know like it was it, that's what it that it did it, it was written as basically just a kind of picky guitar thing and it was yeah through you know lots of trial and error that that steve the rose my producer and i ended up landing on what the the album version of that song sounds like which is like you know kind of sheeny um contemporary pop um but it, it definitely didn't start out life like that um so it, it, it was quite nice to to be able to record a more kind of back to the roots um right. if you'll excuse the hor- horrendous turn of phrase uh, version <laughs> of, of that song did did the tour you know like the three of you just going out on tour together did that help formulate like how you decided to like record the album or re-record 
in a range. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like because with the way that I did it, like toured with the band when we had drums and and like you know the the, the full production version of it, we had you know a, like most uh, bands these days will have even even bands in small like pub venues and whatever. Yeah, we had we 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 had a laptop running some tracks to do some magic for us um, okay. to try and do our best job of of, of replicating the, the full yeah. full sound of of the of the audio, which is you know kind of pretty typical these days but for that um that european tour the three of us kind of stripped back um we didn't do any of that and it was literally just what we had uh, in our hands so we had uh, a keyboard a couple of guitars and a bass um so okay. that really and and obviously the, th- the three of us singing harmonies and so that that kind of made me think about wanting to just not do my usual thing and my, my my usual thing is very much to throw layers and layers and layers at everything and make it as you know big and ridiculous as possible and it was yeah a, a nice way to kind of have a bit of an exercise in keeping it a bit more stripped back and like I, I set myself some rules I was like you know you're not allowed to double track anything because ordinarily I'd record like three or four layers of the same vocal line and then three right. or four vocal layers of the next vocal line to create this like huge wall of stuff um, but this time I was like nope let's make it so that it's just one essentially one person per part uh, it, you know figuratively speaking yeah. to just to just keep it a little bit more restrained slightly more natural sounding and stuff like that so that yeah definitely the shows around Europe with Ben and Ed very directly informed what this all sounded like you know again going back to Macbeth like we kind of worked out sort of by accident when, when we were working out the backing vocals that on the original version there's a kind of call and response thing in the choruses with me uh, doing my best impression of like a turn of the century screamo band in the background um, but we worked out that actually if we took the same rhythm of that but put some nice yeah harmonies on it that would actually sound quite cool and and really change the the flavor of the song so you know the stuff like that from that tour ended up staying and becoming part of the part of the record that's so great for oceanography then you went with like the full band and then you went with ed and i'm sorry uh ed Uh, and ben Ed and Ben on the smaller yeah. from like those two. Tw- did you learn anything? I mean, I know right now it's a weird time with touring and like shows aren't really happening. But what from those two different scenarios of the big band and then like just going out, you know, with on a smaller scale, were, were there any takeaways or things that you learned? It was kind of interesting, I suppose, that that year and that those couple of months really of, of that time. Because like, yeah. I've always, since I was a teenager, wanted to be like the front man of the alternative rock band. You know, like I, I grew up going to see Ocean Size, Amplifier, yeah. and Biffy Clyro pretty much like it, 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 what what must have seemed like once a week to you know my my, my various friends <laughs> yeah. in like high school and college and stuff like those the, those were my big idols and and I, I I wanted to be a front man of a band like that and that was kind of always my plan and I was in bands in high school but then when when I got to university I actually had ended up I was mostly playing on my own um, yeah. and I like I, I guess kind of all the way through this like now fairly long standing project of 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 like 
Charlie Barnes, like doing stuff under my own name. So like I've been, I've been doing it for a long time now. Um, yeah. Like I, I, I've always thought of the solo thing as being like a kind of a a, a, a lesser version of, of, of what it should be. And I always wanted it to be like this big thing with the band, even though the vast majority of the time and the majority of people who've actually seen one of my shows will probably have seen me on my own rather than with anyone else because it's like it, it was just so much easier to, to, to do it on my own <laughs> yeah um, you know it's, yeah. It, it, it's a lot easier to organize yourself than it is to organize a group of four or five or six right. if you've got you know like extra people helping you out or whatever yeah so I, I guess like you, you have all of that you know kind of early 20s uh idiocy and and you know like lo- lots of stuff that you think is going to be great and doesn't turn out being quite so great and you know I, I, I look back at you know footage or recordings from from back in the day and uh you know i'm 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 chewing my hand off with terror at how like awful it is and how much of an idiot i was and whatever which i'm sure is um pretty uh, average and standard for, for for most musicians out there, I would imagine. I think when it came to 2018 and recording, well, touring the the, the Oceanography album, I was coming at it from a place of um well before i fucking blew all the money uh having like a reasonable amount of funding behind it and yeah. uh, a lot of experience from you know touring in the professional realm and yes. um yeah. you know lots of contacts and stuff and i thought this no this is going to be the time that it's going to be great and it's going to really work um and like the, the the shows that that we did definitely were like the, the the best iteration of Charlie Barnes as an alternative rock band that yeah. that, that, that I've done. Like we we were you know like we we obviously had a lot of fun with some of the some of the earlier stuff, but this felt a lot more polished and produced and and you know just by right. the, the, this very simple virtue of being a bit older um, was just a bit better. And even though I felt like 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 i kind of consciously and and rationally knew that what we were doing was was really great i didn't actually feel that good about it like personally um it it was it it was it was an odd time and i yeah. I, I i just like so we, but the big show of band tour was um, as in like the, the the full production band tour was at the smaller of the o2 academies in um islington in north london um, okay. you know there were there quite a lot of people there um yeah. and you know that there were people on the front row who were you know singing along and stuff and we had some like had lots of good friends there and uh and some family and um like every, everything about the, the the show did technically go really well and like you know like, i think there's <laughs> yeah. like one video kicking around on youtube where i like and, and i've like watched the back and thought yeah that, that looks pretty good you know we, we, we did a good job but i'm <laughs> yeah fucking dreadful afterwards um i I, like like i said i like i i I nearly kind of cancelled everything after that one i felt just really down about the whole thing and and it just all felt it's i I don't know it was it it was a long time ago now and i think i've sort of sorted myself out a bit since then but it just there was something about it that just kind of felt really wrong um and then going and playing a bunch of shows on my own for the bastille support tour and then doing something a little bit more acoustic uh and you know without all the kind of artifice of of backing track and sort of like you know all of us with in-ear monitors in and you know like that that kind of weird disconnection that you get that th- there was something about it that just felt a little bit truer i think to me Mm. and you know it may be a kind of a moment of like just because i'm not now being the front man of of the alternative rock band that i always dreamt of as a as a teenager and always thought that's what i'm supposed to be doing 
Um, that doesn't mean that I've fucked up. It doesn't mean that I'm a failure or anything. It just means that things have moved in a slightly different way. And, you know, mm-hmm. like if I actually looked at, you know, a lot of the things that I really valued growing up musically alongside all of that kind of world of, you know, big interesting alternative rock bands it's like well actually there's loads of you know kind of quite quiet um acoustically driven so not not necessarily acoustically driven but you you know what i mean like not that kind of full-on rock sound that that, that there's there's been a lot of stuff that has meant a hell of a lot to me that hasn't been that world and it's like well actually maybe all the way along um i've been building myself just a, a nice world with all of this um but i've just not really realized it and i think that's maybe what i kind of realized there was just you know just being in maybe a, a small small room that's not got very many people in it but playing something that isn't totally rigid and set to you know a, a, a strict right. track or, or a strict set list or anything like that where you can have a bit more of a two-way interaction with the audience and 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 whatnot is you know there's there's a lot of value in that Um, oh my gosh yes definitely (laughs) yeah it's like it's it's good isn't it like everyone says that more gigs are the best ones for the most part um yeah it's true it's very true it's definitely something that i've believed for a really long time so i I don't know why it took me so long to realize it that would probably be the case for my own stuff as well Um, but you know always learning always learning yes let's talk about last night's glitter you were in spain and yeah uh, yeah tell me a a little bit about that process a a, a lot of the time for me with with writing songs um it's a case of i'll come up with some chords and a melody and basically come up with the whole thing and then it'll take me like three years to get any lyrics that i'm happy with um for it like a a, a lot of the time um i'm really fussy about it really beat myself up about it um and just put up loads of loads of obstacles whenever it comes to you know trying trying to get stuff done but um i'd been i'd been listening to a lot of stuff like um josh t pearson and uh you know but uh like villagers and people like that like a, Mm -hmm. a lot more of the kind of like very lyrical folky kind of world or like like americanery kind of world or whatever yeah um, yeah and i just like i often you know will be strumming away and i'll come up with some little chord sequence that i that i like um and the chord sequence from last night's glitter was one that i came up with i kind of recorded myself playing it on my phone and thought okay well we'll i'll think of something for that and there was a like a pretty obvious melody just sort of skirting around it and then yeah, one one day in like so that this would be the summer of 2018, and this was after having done the all all three of the of, of those kind of main tours of oceanography, the the full yeah. production band tour, the solo tour supporting Bastille, and then the the acoustic tour with with Ben and Ed. I was you know sat in a hotel room in I I, I think it was the earlier summer um, somewhere in spain i can't exactly remember where it is i think it might be valencia i'm not really sure that makes me sound like a hideous jaded tory (laughs) musician who doesn't know where he ever is but um i unusually because i sort of felt like i kind of felt like something was there and was kind of like Mm -hmm. waiting to come out i was like um i'm just gonna take a guitar with me to my hotel room um while we wait to go and do the gig and uh and i just kind of sat in my room and strummed away to the chords and and just all all the cut like there were there were a few sentences that were kind of hanging around in my head and had been for for a couple of weeks at that point with this song sort of in mind and i just sat and kind of hammered it all out um quite quickly and and did a bit of tidying up there was there was one extra verse that did 
didn't make it, which is a tip from my okay. friend Jake Morley. Um, he said you always, uh, and he learned it from, I can't remember who it was that he learned it from. He told me who, who he learned it from, but I've forgotten. But basically, every, when you think you've finished a song, you write one more verse and then you finish the song. Because um, it might be that you write a much better verse. Um, That's or true. Or something like that. But, um, but yeah, it, it just kind of fell out. It, it, it just kind of summed up a, a lot of where I was at at the time. Because the, 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 the Oceanography album deals quite openly with the idea of success and making it and ambition and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and that was written yeah. at quite an unusual... The majority of it was written at quite an unusual usual time in my life where I'd kind of just been offered a record deal and was kind of working out you know just what do I do with this um, yeah. and, and feeling quite quite strange about the whole idea of, of uh, then of signing a deal and um, trying to work out how to make a living around music and all that kind of stuff. Um, this song came at a very different time compared to most of what's on oceanography and I think it's stuff like you know the particularly the the show at the at the Royal Albert Hall, um, which mm-hmm. felt like a real real moment. It just I I think I'd started getting to this this point where I felt like actually maybe I'm I'm making my music because I want to make my music and not because I want to make it with my music. Yeah. Um, and th- that was kind of a I, I think that that had been bubbling under the surface for a bit and I'd like got married recently and just realizing maybe and I, I it's kind of similar to what we spoke about before with with me realizing like oh actually maybe I don't need to be the front man of an alternative rock band. This is right. yeah. this is this song is kind of me realizing like oh maybe I don't need to be hugely successful with my own music and I can just make it because I want to make it and if right. anyone yeah. else wants to spend any time listening to it that's amazing but it's not it's it, it makes it more of a kind of genuine connection i suppose the, the, the people who who really engage with it when when nobody else knows about it at all <laughs> or whatever so it's it just yeah if it it's like i mean it, it's it's a really fucking sad song in places um yeah but um yeah <laughs> I, the, the I, I like to think that it finishes with a a pretty positive note and uh and, and a note that is just I, I don't know i guess quite a succinct summation of get into a slightly better state of reasoning or whatever in your head i don't know okay I, I, so th- this, this this is why it's great doing the first interview about the record with with, with, with a good friend because i don't come up with any of the like prefabricated uh promo <laughs> sentences to throw at you um i'm literally i'd like i'm genuinely talking to you about what yeah. i genuinely think i'm not just <laughs> reciting all the stuff <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Assuming that there are any more, three or four interviews down the line, I'll have the answer to that absolutely <laughs> nailed. Um, but... <laughs> I, think, I, I, I think you get you get the spirit of it. Maybe. Yes. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Who mixed the album and who mastered it? Uh, so the mixing was done by me. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. So th- I did a, a music production degree um, okay. it was the, the music technology and popular music ba honors degree at the university of huddersfield um, nice but uh, i just, so like what was quite nice about that institution and that course in particular was that it was very broad and you could kind of push yourself in various different directions based on what your interests were and i very much went down the composition route all the way through um so i, yeah. I like whilst i did do like because because you had to do some of their kind of production based modules I, I did do some of that stuff i didn't yeah. really like take to it that well and wasn't 
particularly all that interested in that side of it and just kind of decided that like I don't have I don't know how to mix anything but my two friends who have done the same course with me are really yeah. good at mixing stuff so I'm just going to let them do it. Um so they said that's that's Ben who uh, who did the, the the other tour and was our front of house engineer uh, and my friend James uh who's in the band Indoor Pets. Um okay. he mixed my first album. Uh, and they both did my course. And so I I just used to let them do everything, basically. Um, <laughs> and also Steve DeRose, who produced um, both my last uh, two records. But this time, because for kind of a, a multitude of reasons, like partially to save money. Um, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, it's it's important to do those sorts of things. Um, but also yes. partially to just, be, because I had the time and because it was quite stripped back, so, you know, there weren't any drums or anything like that to worry about. And there was no deadline um i yeah. thought you know what maybe this is a time where i could actually take a bit of time myself and learn properly how to maybe have a go at mixing something and you know i mean obviously we're all in this crazy global lockdown right now right. that that wasn't really the motivation for it um my 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 main work as the the touring multi-instrumentalist and backing vocalist for bastille was on hold at the moment anyway um because yeah. th- those guys were, were planning on taking the year off um so i just kind of thought hey why not uh why, why not mix it myself and see if i can make that work because you know when, when i went to university like 10 or so years ago there there, there weren't quite so many extensive uh youtube right. tutorials on everything <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> so true turns out yeah. those things are, are pretty good aren't they <laughs> yeah oh my gosh um, yeah, so, I so remember I, I like taking yeah. it in college. I remember like taking like a MIDI class, like a music, like <laughs> just <laughs> technology has like changed so much. It's <laughs> mental, isn't it? Like, like yeah. I, I, I was, I, I was watching a thing the other day with, have you seen Mark Rebier? on youtube no i haven't okay you've got to check him out is that so okay. my friend my friend john and, and his wife jen who i used to live with and john used to play bass for me they uh they, they, they told me about him and basically like he's this guy who does these mad live stream youtube performances uh of like improvised live looping stuff with like keys and layering vocals and it's and like he's obviously a very proficient musician and he's got like a lot of jazz chops going on and it's like but 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 a lot of it is quite comedic in its delivery um which is really great but like i watched his kind of rig rundown thing uh that that he did for 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 all of his you know 50 squillion subscribers Um, and i was looking at like the the equipment that is available these days for the amount of money it is these days com- to compared to what it was when I was at university like the loop station I used to use back when I was one of those live looping guys it was so expensive and so yeah. limited in what it could do and like <laughs> like but but buying a backup for it fucking crippled me um yeah. in my like second year of university but, um <laughs> but yeah like th- these days it's mad like how uh affordable things are for, for for people um and 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 then how many people there are on the internet telling you how to use it in a really efficient way for free it's uh it's pretty amazing um yeah St- stuff has really changed um and yeah and so, so that, that that was you know mixing the album was like my foray into the world of plugins um because I'd, oh, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd never really bothered looking down that 
uh, avenue particularly i just looked at what ben and steve were using and was like oh that stuff looks cool anyway i'm gonna go and make a coffee um or whatever but yeah. you know n- now i've got that kind of dangerous hole in my pocket that companies like slate and waves keep setting further further on fire um yeah so that, that was good fun and the, the mastering was done by a guy called tom woodhead um who is based in yorkshire and he okay. was the singer of a band called forward russia um who if you're into your angular sort of weird indie rock um uh that would be yeah. right up your avenue um they're they're really great but yeah he's he, he's mastered like everything i've ever done um He's a really nice guy and he does a really great job. And even when uh, I have to be really boring and ask for tweaks on things because I'm very fussy, um, he, he sorts it out, no problem. Going back to the tech side of things, when you were like building out your like home studio, like what things did you take into consideration of kind of like equipment you wanted or for people who are like interested maybe in like doing their own studio home studio setup? Well, so like I, I've, I've, I've had some level of home studio set up for you yeah. know 15 years you know so, yeah. since i did did my first music technology course at college which is like kind of your uh, I guess your senior year of high school equivalent. Yes. Um, I, I've always had stuff to be able to record at home, but there's not necessarily been uh, particularly brilliant stuff to record at home. And yeah. um, as time's gone on and, you know, you kind of have slightly more pocket money to play with, um, you can make slightly more well-informed decisions. And also, given that I work with a load of professional audio guys most days of the year when I'm on tour, <laughs> yeah. I have... Um, uh, some pretty good uh, fonts of knowledge to go and uh, make use of. Um, so I've taken a lot of good advice uh, on, on, on getting this stuff done. But I mean, basically <laughs> for awesome. me, yeah. uh, I just wanted a nice room um, that was nice to be in to mostly do recording in, but also do a bit of mixing in, but not necessarily to have a kind of like control room, live room separation type thing going on. And mm-hmm. also like, you know, I mean, I've, I, I had, I didn't really have the, the budget to go, you know, full on, like make an actual studio in my house kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. like, I, I, I would call it like a, a glorified project studio, but I love it. That's great. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, and I mean, you'd be amazed to see we kind of all would i guess to see what a lot of albums that you know commercially available nowadays how they've been made i mean like just what computers can do now is crazy um Mm -hmm. and 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 it just means that you don't you don't always necessarily need the super high-end studio every time i mean like you know the, the, the guys i work for bastille like dan is always working on stuff when we're on tour like it's 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 simultaneously amazing and infuriating to watch because he makes me feel so bad for how good he is at being productive when we're on tour (laughs) Um, that guy is just made of different stuff to the rest of us he's fucking amazing but um but you know he he has sometimes had uh mark who produces the bastille records out on tour and they've been working away in like a spare dressing room with you know mark's kind of skeleton um, box of gear that he brings out with him and yeah. um, you know there's another guy who came out um, on, on a tour when uh, when Mark wasn't available to come out and again had you know like a, a, a little flight case worth of really good gear to use and I, I think these days you if you've got a really good interface for getting the signals from the microphone or whatever it is into your computer kind of cleanly with with good analog to digital conversion you can 
do a lot of good stuff without having to worry too much about like the room you're in or right. I, I don't know like the, yeah, there's, the, no, the, there's, there's a yeah. lot that can be done for, for for not too much money now so um I mean I've, obviously I've got like I've got some quite nice guitars and I'd, I'd like I bought a piano um many years ago that, that's, that's still here but I, my, my main thing that I wanted to do in the studio was to make it that there weren't any obstacles um I wanted to be able to just get in and get going immediately on something because that like yeah. I'm I'm pretty lazy and I'm very slow at working and I wanted to kind of try and put as few obstacles as possible in the way of actually getting stuff done so I've got like some mic stands that are fixed to the wall above the piano so that the mic's yeah. that are on the piano are always plugged in um i've got a couple of other mics that are always set up on their stand with a cable plugged in so i literally just need to put the cable in if i'm going to use it i've got my very clever guitar amp modeling uh profiling thing called the kemper um always plugged in so that i could literally just switch it on plug the guitar in and get going on something i've got another keyboard set up behind me that's always plugged in like yeah. it's just all about kind of making it as smooth and efficient as possible and you know beyond cool. having a bunch of nice gear i also um with the help of uh steve the rose my producer and uh and his stepdad um built a load of uh acoustic baffles for this room um because it, it it is just a garage it is just a right. box so the the acoustics in here aren't fantastic um but we put a load of very nicely constructed panels in the ceiling and on the wall and, right. uh, and now it actually sounds quite nice in here oh um, that's great so. that's so awesome <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's kind of like you know it's not you know it, it's no replacement for a full-on residential recording studio with tons and tons and tons of crazy outboard or whatever but um for for being creative and for having a, a space uh to kind of try and be inspired in and stuff like that it's uh i'm I, i'm really pleased with it um and uh yeah it's it, it's been nice that's to so give it give it its first outing with this album i suppose oh that's so awesome so with like the coronavirus and everything right now it kind of worked out that like you all are taking like this year off what were some of the last like bastille shows that you played before the the outbreak happened so the first thing we did this year was a really 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 spectacularly special show with a full orchestra in hamburg at a, 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 a one of those kind of brand spanking shiny new concert halls that i was referring to earlier called the elbe philomony um oh, yeah. that was unreal and a whole bunch of that is available to watch on youtube and if anyone yeah, who's I, listening I, hasn't had a look at it you definitely should because that was quite a special thing to be involved with <laughs> yeah i saw some of that footage and it just it looked amazing it looked like such a cool experience to oh, be was, a part it of it so good i mean just, just like like rehearsals were, were a pleasure i just like I, I i i took my headphones out half the time and just sat and listened to what, <laughs> what the orchestra were doing it was it was amazing but yeah so we, we did that and then shortly after that we did a couple of weeks around new zealand and australia um okay. which uh that w was a first for me i'd never been to those places um and that was quite cool because uh, i got to see my uncle tat who um who lives in australia and has been there for quite a long time and i haven't Amazing. seen him for quite quite a few years so we had a good couple of nights hanging out and uh getting somewhat inebriated and that was very nice that's awesome um, <laughs> yeah so that was that but interestingly kind of that was where so that that was like january february and there was obviously kind of talk of this 
virus thing happening and on the on on the flight i mean we, we went uh and we, we'd all kind of bought masks because of the fires that were going on in australia at the time because we thought oh, that yeah, the, when, when yeah. we were in like sydney and melbourne we might you know need to have masks on while we were out and about during the day it kind of died down uh sufficiently by the time we were there um but um, on the on, on the flight home, we, we, we kind of flew home by, via Dubai and did a show there as well, where I got to see another uncle, which was great. Nice. Quite a far-flung family. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, we on, on some of those flights home, we saw people wearing masks. And obviously in, in airports and with, with air travel, you do quite often see people wearing masks anyway. But this was very clearly... Um, because of this thing that was happening, but it just didn't really seem like it was a, 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 going to be that much of a of a thing at the time. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we were just kind of talking about it and thinking like, oh, I wonder if this will get out of China. Who knows? Um, then we got home, had a had a week or so, and we did one last show, which again was with a it was a kind of orchestral show. Um, that was at the London Palladium, and it was a a charity show with uh, War Child. Okay. Um, and that was it was really great it was a really really lovely night really great show and i headed straight home um after after the gig and i haven't seen everyone since um wow. i mean we, we we weren't supposed to anyway um right. because you know we, we we didn't have any gigs booked in that I, th- I think that, that there's been like a couple of small things that had have had to be like rescheduled or something like that i don't know but um right yeah like but basically the whole point was yeah we we, we, we're having a year off um so (laughs) it's 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 just quite strange that you know that the year off where we were supposed to just not be doing anything anyway has turned into this kind of weird enforced you're not allowed to do anything thing and my wife's not at work either and it's like it's it's yeah it's uh it's very very odd odd times to be in um but you know hopefully hopefully things will improve hopefully various world leaders i'm referring very much to yours and mine um (laughs) will stop being such fucking idiots and realize that um this is quite a serious thing um but yeah it's 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 it's, it's, uh pretty mad i've had a lot of like troublesome times with with with, with being a musician i mean like it's it's a, a as jobs go it's a pretty easy one and i'm getting to do the thing that i always wanted to do when i was a teenager but performing in front of people and that you know that sort of thing yeah uh, comes with you know some psychological traps um that are very easily fallen into um, and i have absolutely thrown myself into them at times i you know i thought i kind of thought that that a year off from from doing bastille shows would be a good time for me to you know I'd, i'd kind of after having some bad times with it last year i'd kind of got onto a much better footing with the idea of being on stage in front of people and maybe i am yeah. allowed to be there and maybe i'm not a complete and utter fucking hack and imposter you know i'd, I'd kind of you're started so to get, get that to watch, stuff, like <laughs> charlie you're so much fun to watch up on stage like you have a ton of energy it's like so entertaining from like you know like uh, the listener and viewer's standpoint of like whether if you're in bastille or whatever you just have a great stage presence and oh, it's thank like you. yeah so um <laughs> Yeah, it's like like I, I guess like there's times when it's really great. Yeah, I love it a bit. There've been some yeah some some rubbish, and and I kind of thought you know this year would just be okay. Well, I'll I'll do a couple of my own gigs in little cafes or whatever right. when I'm feeling up to it and whatever, and then we can get back to it. But now like I've realised like because I I did have a couple of things booked in of of my own that aren't 
currently happening um because because they can't it's, it's made me realize like shit like fundamental part of my existence for the last like 10 or 15 years has been performing in front of other people and now i'm not allowed to do it um <laughs> right and yeah it, like you know i mean there are far worse things that people are dealing with at the moment but um it's it, it's made me realize how thankful uh i need to be for what i've been able to do with mm -hmm. with with so much of my life and i like i think you know it, it's a fucking terrifying time for the music industry i think yeah. uh and just that you know but as soon as I start thinking about it for too long, I start freaking out because I think like, oh my God, am I going to have a job to go back to and whatever. But um, yeah. I think once things are more under control and whatever, like people are just going to want to come and see live music and, and be involved in, in music, aren't yes. they? Like it's, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it, it's one of the most wonderful things that that human beings have managed to, to, to achieve um, is is that, that this environment in which these things happen and performances and that kind of connection and stuff so like but it's it's you know it made me realize how very thankful i should how thankful i am that right. i get to that, that i i have the opportunity to do that as, for my living and hopefully will have the opportunity to do that for my living once things get back to normal but it, it just yeah it, it i think it's gonna once people can get back to the normal day-to-day -day of of, yeah. of of live music i think not only the audiences who are going to be fucking desperate to go and see all of their favorite artists and you know uh go to the go, yeah. go and see the festival lineups they were supposed to go and see this summer equally i think for the musicians who you know we we, we all have our days where we feel pretty fucking jaded and we're like oh what city are we in uh, like you know oh yeah gotta sure. get on stage you know <laughs> that. i mean obviously once you once you're up there it's, it's a different story and you have a great time but like <laughs> yeah. I yeah, think yeah, yeah. it certainly for me and I would imagine for plenty of other musicians when we can get back to it we'll all realize how fucking insanely lucky we are um yeah. to, to to get to you know do our our, our te like live out our teenage fantasies um for <laughs> yes. a, a, a reasonable income and <laughs> Um, you know, there will be good to to, to come of it, and w w once we manage to get out of it, uh, yes, it will be it will be quite the relief, I think. Yeah, I can't wait for that day. <laughs> I can't wait to go back oh. to shows again and oh. con concerts and hang out with people and see people and yeah, yeah, it makes you makes, makes you realize what's important, really, doesn't it? Yes, definitely. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for being on the show today. This was this was great to hear about your new album. Tell me again, the single release is on the 19th. Uh, 19th, yeah, 19th of June. Let me look in my calendar. <laughs> yeah. I like the how we're both so, so, yeah, so, yeah, so the single, which I say very much with inverted commas because it is six and a half minutes long and it doesn't have a chorus, but the the, the first single is yeah. out. Uh, it, it's also got a, a, an F-bomb in it, so it can't go on the radio <laughs> either. Um, and, and, and I recorded the vocal and the guitar at the same time, so I can't even edit in a clean version. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so, so it's the first single, which I'm sure will be lighting up the airwaves, uh, is coming out, yeah, on uh, June the 19th. And on June the 21st, I'll be joining my friend uh, Ralph Pellymounter uh, on his Instagram live feed to do a, nice. a, a little guest concert, which would be nice. Um, oh, and cool. then on July the 3rd, 
um, the that the album comes out, um, and the album will be uh, available on all of the usual digital platforms. But also, my b- b- because it's a weird kind of not really part of my record deal, but also kind of part of my record deal. Um, yeah. My label <laughs> uh, being pretty cool, and they are looking after all of the digital side of things. Um, but they Great. have let me do uh, a vinyl run. Um, so I am oh, in the awesome. process of getting that all set up. But that will, if I manage to get my arse in gear and work things out, there will be a pre-order for that going live on June the 19th. Um, and then those will arrive whenever they arrive because vinyl pressing takes a long time. And I it will does. go to my local post office and I will stand there for a very long time with the person <laughs> behind the counter. Um, hopefully because there'll be so many pre-orders. Um, <laughs> yes. Sending them Everyone order. pre-order. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, it, it, it'll, be, it'll be available July 3rd everywhere. Um, and then sometime after July 3rd, anyone who wants one uh, will have had the opportunity to get a 12 inch vinyl record of it with some lovely artwork that my wife did um oh, so. oh awesome <laughs> oh i can't wait to yeah. see it oh, it's, it's, man, it's all very wait. diy we've got we've got a lyric video happening we shot a vertical video in the studio yesterday that does feature my dog um oh, awesome. for one of the songs so there's there's a lot of weird uh interesting diy stuff going on uh in in, in my household at the moment which is fun that's great oh man that's awesome oh i can't wait <laughs> me neither it's, it's, it's exciting it's, it's nice putting something out also slightly less terrifying putting an album out when 90 percent of it is not new material um that's uh that's that's really great when is it when, when you know that people have already heard a bunch of the songs on it and <laughs> the people who liked those songs originally are probably gonna like the songs again uh, yes. It makes it a lot less terrifying. <laughs> there's, there's, there's only one new thing that you have to, you know, put a bit of thought into listening to. Or I, I don't know. Anyway, it's it, it's fun. Like ordinarily at this time, a couple of weeks before something comes out, I would be so stressed and freaked out. But um, I'm pretty chill to be honest, uh, which is unusual That's for good. me. So. That's good. That's a good feeling. <laughs> Maybe I should just do acoustic versions of my stuff until I run out of, of stuff and, and then I'll maybe get on with something new. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we need, we need, we always need uh, more new music. I did build a studio in my garden, so I should probably make some use of it, shouldn't I? Yeah, um. <laughs> definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you, Charlie. Thanks for having me. It's been lovely. Thanks again to Charlie for being on the show and to the Bang Ups for the theme music. This has been the I Love Music Podcast with Jen Fedor.